Welcome. Hello. You made it tough shit. Podcast puts first world problems into perspective. Uh, this is episode eight, Maybe. right? I Technically eleven with all of them. So we're fucking <laughs> something, something along the lines there. Yeah. We're your hosts. I'm, I'm Corey. No, you're not. I'm, I'm Chris. He's Chris. I'm Corey. And you made it to tough shit. Hope your uh, week's going good and all that jazz. I'm having a great week. I got an eye exam yesterday. That sounds like a hoot. Yep, I'm getting some new glasses. And I'm going <laughs> to wear them this time. Because I, I always bring my glasses over for these. Uh, I don't, I've never seen you wear them. I don't really wear them. It's because no. I'm looking. Here, look at me. Yeah? I can't get it on. I hope our listeners headphones. can see you with the um, glasses. Oh, this is an audio <laughs> medium. Uh, no, the frame's too small, so it distracts me when I try to read. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I, oh, yeah you said pres- the, the frames are in your eyesight. Yes. So my prescription changed, uh-huh. and I got some bigger glasses. So I'm pretty excited about like it. Like Coke bottle? Lens, no, they're not real- that bad. But um, actually, this is I'm blown away that it took us this long to do this subject, because when we started the podcast, I mean, this seems like the most obvious one. Yeah. The today's subject is aches and pains. But can we put it in as, oh, these aches and pains? Like, can you do that on the? I know. Oh, you want me to, to re edit all this? No. Wait. Did, no, when we put it up, <laughs> put, oh, these aches and pains with an exclamation mark at the end instead of just aches and pains. Can we do that? I'm sure. Okay. Whatever. We can It's do like it. you're my boss. <laughs> But well, you do more of the work, so I guess it should be up to you. I'm sure we can figure out whatever the hell to put. No one reads it I'm anyway. They'll be like, so... hey, those two jack-offs from Western Nobody's New York. Nobody's listening. They're probably not reading the synopses. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of online stuff, if you like to read our descriptions in any of our podcast forms, we also are on Instagram at TS Podcast Official. if you'd like to give us a follow over there. Does anybody follow us? Uh, most people I know. Okay. Family <laughs> I members, know or parents, met friends and family, yeah. Um, uh, well, we can start today by maybe some personal stories. Well, yeah, have... like, getting into it with aches and pains, they really do affect everyone, especially the older you get. Uh, some people handle pain and health issues better than others. But when you think of it, compared to our ancestors and people of the past, we're a bunch of pussies. I am a pussy. I, oh, yeah. I agree. When I told Mandy that what we were doing for, for this episode, we were doing aches and pains, she mm-hmm. said, oh, make sure. That's Mandy's voice. <laughs> oh, make sure that you talk about your liquid Band-Aid story. <laughs> so, yeah. The, she, we watch Alone. Have I talked about that? Yeah, I know I've talked uh, about yes. Below Deck. So, it's a show that's not Below Deck. It's another show. It's another reality. Or, yes. well, kind of reality. We're watching Alone. I was watching it from the bathroom, and I split on my finger, mm-hmm. and I put liquid band-aid on And as I'm putting that on, I wonder if I talked about this before. I don't remember if you told me this. Anyway, there was a girl on there with a fish hook stuck in her fucking, is it on her wrist? Yeah. Ugh. No, or in her finger. Anyway, she had to make this apparatus that she strapped to her arm. Uh-huh. With a knife on it and a hammer, and she like put the knife on the hook and was hitting the hand like not a hammer, a stone. She's using a stone to hit the knife to try and break this hook. Damn. And she's not even making a sound. And I put liquid band-aid on my thumb while she was doing this. Oh my god, I streamed like such a bitch. <laughs> it hurts liquid band-aid. It does. It, it stings. stings. It's yeah, like it stings uh, it's initially. like model glue. Yeah. Well, I got another one, but that's, go ahead. Well, that's like the complaints. They they range drastically, but in the first world, we tend to embellish our injuries and ailments, some being sprains or minor cuts, uh, pulled muscles or elective surgery aches, uh, sore knees and ankles from being fat like myself. Um, Lower back. Oh, yeah. but That's a big one. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially in where we work and the people we work around. My but. knee locks up. My right yeah. knee. Well, yeah, I was gonna say your personal about stories. It. Do you have like any like you have? Oh fuck yeah, I got. I was a good gonna one. say you're a rack. Well, yes, but um, <laughs> we're both my favorites. Racks. I have so this is probably the closest I can come to like a legit complaint. Mm-hmm. It's really not that bad. Yeah, this is not bothering me right now. I have TMJ. Oh yeah, which yeah. is lockjaw. Yep, and it doesn't usually affect me <laughs> unless. Uh, <laughs> I remember. Unless I go to a fucking dentist. Yeah. So I'd say my aches and pains story would be when I went to the dentist. It was like two years ago. I went to the dentist. I got my teeth cleaned. And my mouth was open for so long that I got lockjaw. And I couldn't remember. How long was it? Two fucking weeks? You had I weeks speak. of it. Yeah. I couldn't speak. Well, you you spoke like well, a slow I, person. Yes. Yes. Let's yes. be PC here. Yeah. I spoke yeah. like 
a slow person. <laughs> Can I do it? Should I do yeah, it? I don't. You're you you were talking like that for. Weeks I know, at and a I'm time. not trying. This is literally how I was speaking. I am not trying to sound like an asshole. So I'm going to tell you the rest of this story in the voice that I was doing because of the lock show. You ready? Yeah. So I got my mouth <laughs> open. That's really what I said. Yeah, I couldn't open it. He really did sound like that. So I knew what it was, but I decided I, I was getting fed up. I was getting a little worried about it. I went to urgent care. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a primary care physician, but anyway. Uh, and the woman there <laughs> told me that I had had a stroke. Yeah. And I know I've got fucking lockjaw, but I'm still <laughs> such a hypochondriac. She told me, I'm like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I drove an hour to urgent care, and she told me I had to take a um, an ambulance. Why couldn't I remember ambulance? She told me I had to take an ambulance to the hospital because yeah, I, I had had a stroke. Then I said, you know, in that voice, like, I just drove here. But anyway, Mandy came and picked me up, yeah. and I went to the hospital, and I spent seven hours in the emergency room, and then it cost me $3,000, and I didn't have a stroke. That's my I remember that. Well, I remember you telling me also, like, at your job, because you have to deal with the general public somewhat. Oh, I went and, to that realtor's office, yeah, and, they, and they all thought you were handicapped. Yeah. They were like, oh, he's such a nice guy. He came in. And like, yeah, they thought my boss was getting a tax credit for hiring me. <laughs> yes. And I one remember of the, that. One of the things my, my doctor told me, like, here's some things not to do. Don't chew gum. Mm-hmm. So I stopped chewing gum. Yeah. She says, don't talk very much. So oh, we started yeah. a podcast. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. And Start I can't shut the fuck up. Yep. That's yeah. it. I guess that's... I'm waiting for the episode where you have lockjaw and you have to go through the rest of it talking like that. I get nervous about it. Don't say that. You jinx me. No, okay. I'll, I'll take it back. I guess it was... Oh, <clears throat> I got in the shower this morning mm-hmm. and my balls were so small I thought I lost one. Jesus. <laughs> you know, I was thinking something. You've talked about being in the shower quite often on this show. Well, I had to mention shower something thoughts and... uncomfortable because yeah. this is a story with no public sex in it. Well, that's good. That's good. Is it? I, I maybe maybe I'll get it next time. Yeah, I, I would say f- for myself, um, I broke vertebrae when I was a teenager, so I have disc issues forever. And I believe you. Your back fucked up. Too. Oh fuck yeah, yeah. Um, I got cam impingement in my hip, AC separation in my shoulder, the rotator cuff tear, and you've witnessed these uh, cluster headaches, which. I'm currently in my sixth year of remission on. That's awesome. I have yeah, not they, got they, one. You look like you're in pain. It was incredibly it's, painful. You They're, just disappear for days. If you check any of the like top ten list of most painful things in the world, it usually makes it. You heard it here first. Corey yeah. says that he's in more pain than women giving child. That's birth. what it was compared to. Oh, really? Specifically, I was being an asshole. No, that was what it was no specifically shit. compared to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but luckily. Uh, some of the things that affect it are like tobacco, which yeah. I quit using tobacco. I don't really, and alcohol, yeah. which I hardly drink, and stimulants, and I have a cup of coffee. So I've drastically limited or cut those things out of my life. And I use CBD for sleep and inflammation and stuff. And yeah. that seems to help too. I think all of those help, but as far as aches and pains, that's what I deal with. It's, but it's, it's not the end of the No, yeah, it's not I, the end of the world. It's a pain but, in the ass. There's times when it fucking really sucks, but you just got to deal with it. You got to accept it. Especially the older we get. I was thinking about this earlier. We get older. I mean, remember back in our 20s be like, I was a hypochondriac worse way worse than I am now. I know. And now, <laughs> I remember. Oh yeah. And now I I think about it like the older you get, you're just going to be sore. You're just going to be achy in pain. Because you're slowly dying. Essentially, your body's degenerating. That's a cynical way to look at it, but yeah. you're just, everything's just kind of wasting away. <laughs> but according to the but, CDC, roughly 50 million Americans live with chronic pain, and that being pain most days or every day for at least the last six months. That's the, the definition okay. of chronic All right. pain. That's, I, uh, oh, um, I, did I mention I got a new mattress? Speaking of lower I think back you pain? talked about it last I, episode. It is. Remarkable! Makes- if you spend money on a mattress, my fucking back feels a lot better. So, anybody listening at Sattva Mattress, who's looking? Oh, you want to sponsor? Wait, you're who's looking, looking for a to plug? sponsor a fledging podcast? Yeah, we can find one for you. <laughs> we can. Yeah, don't don't do it on this. Um, 
Uh, oh, I guess that's about and and in in reading what what we're going to talk about today, I'm sure what I don't know what you're going to talk about, but in reading what my you know my subject for today, I'm trying to complain less. And in listening to, or uh, reading about this, mm-hmm. which makes me never want to whine again. Yeah, I've also been, I told you this other I was listening to uh, the audiobook version of The Warmth of Other Suns. Yes, because Mom had read it and she was telling me about it. So if you want to listen to something. And this podcast isn't doing it for you. That's just like it would make you just not complete. Make you make you appreciate the world. Holy shit! Yeah, I've never. Nothing I've ever experienced compares that kind of adversity. So yeah, uh, listen or read that. It's uh, it's really good. It does sound very interesting. Okay, telling me about it. So get started. (laughs) I guess yeah. You get right into these stories. I, uh, did you go first last time? I did. We, we do this I went every too time. Long. Yeah, because we can't remember. We don't even edit. Um, <laughs> it's true. No, I go first. Take your time. Mine's way too fucking long. Okay. And as I told you about 20 minutes ago, I haven't even read the thing yet. So <laughs> so it, in, in true Christopher fashion. Oh, yeah, we're going to stumble yeah. fuck our way yeah, through this one. Yeah, went too long overboard, but that's it's, okay. It's fun for me, though. If Did I, you have fun? Oh, I had so much that's fun. That's all that this matters. Is, this, is a, this is a wild <laughs> story, and I'm really pumped about it. And since I haven't read it, it'll kind of be like me reading it for the first time, too. So all right. Which I am. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Well, I hope this, uh, you didn't pick the story, but after talking with you, I don't think you did. So here it goes. Ah, you open your eyes from a long night's sleep and let out a deep groan. Oh, I know the story. Oh, do you? (laughs) This is you every day. Too bad you slept like shit because you pulled your glutes on the ski slopes the day before. You get out of bed hunched over and every joint in your body starts cracking like a drum machine at Ultrafest. You stagger down the hall, swaying like a late-stage leper. You wish this pain on no man. But the reality is, you're just being a giant pussy who pulled his ass cheeks participating in the upper-middle-class hobby of skiing down a hill at a fancy resort. Is that where your glutes are? Somewhere in there, yeah. Okay. Off to the medicine cabinet for some Advil and a heat pad for that aching keister of yours. Ah, there's that long-awaited relief you deserve from your self-inflicted first-world injury. It sure is tough being you. But not so long ago, treatments for your basic ailments... Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking a page out of your book here. Uh, Treatments for your basic ailments might not have been as convenient or safe. A series of headaches could land you a lobotomy, or a cyst on your head might have been cured with a 12-pound Bible being slammed into your noggin. But if it wasn't for the collection of brave and sometimes unknowing human guinea pigs throughout the past, we might still be using electroshock therapy for a limp cock or mercury injections for your bad skin. They did that for... Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I... I keep when they, with it. And throughout the early uh, 20th century, the shit they did with like radiation and electro. Oh, I know fucking lobotomies, they just doled yep. out like Oh, Advil. yeah, throughout the 40s and 50s. But anyway, <clears throat> today's story takes us to the brutal wilderness of early 1800s North America, where young men from all across the U.S. and Canada braved the wooded terrain for a piece of the multi-million dollar fur industry that was booming worldwide at the time. It was a hard life of extensive travel, Attacks from natives, harsh weather, and fending off rival competition. One young man, hungry for riches, wine, and adventure, was 20-year-old French-Canadian voyager Alexis Saint-Martin, or the heavily heavily Americanized pronunciation Alexis (laughs) Saint-Martin. Alexi worked for the American Fur Company as a porter and canoe man <clears throat> who would navigate the waterways with a large cargo, uh, large cargo canoe packed full of furs to be distributed at various trading posts throughout North America. On the morning of June 6, 1822, Alexi found himself at a trading post located on Mackinac Island off the coast of northern Michigan. When some shipbird with poor trigger discipline accidentally shot him with a muzzleloader full of lead shot at damn near point-blank range. Within minutes, a locally stationed U.S. Army doctor by the name of William Beaumont was on site and attended to the heavily wounded St. Martin. The injury was described as following. The wound was received just under the left breast and supposed at the time to have been mortal. A large portion of the side was blown off. 
the ribs fractured, and openings made into the cavities of the chest and abdomen, through which protruded portions of the lungs and stomach. Ah, fuck! Yeah. Much lacerated and burnt, exhibiting altogether an appalling and hopeless case. The diaphragm was lacerated, and a perforation made directly into the cavity of the stomach, through which breakfast food was escaping. Oh, God. I don't want to see the inside of myself. Yeah. That disturbs me. Yeah, just imagine hanging out at a trading post and getting your fucking guts blasted. I would be blown away. If somebody opened me up, it would surprise me. I just assume Uh there's cotton in there. I don't want to think about, I don't, yeah, I don't like thinking about And the quick little anatomy lesson I got throughout this, you don't think about how tight your guts are actually wadded together. There's a lot in there. There's a lot, yeah. When you, you know, when you see, remember it in school, you're learning about it, like, oh, here's your stomach and your lungs, like, all spread out. Yeah. Like, no, no, they're all touching. But <clears throat> a wound of that magnitude, even in modern times, would be a pretty dire situation, let alone in 1822. Dr. Beaumont was stated as saying that the man would be dead within 36 hours. But because Alexei was a rugged woodsman and not some lily-livered city boy with soft skin... He managed to beat the odds and survive the initial gun blast, but it wasn't exactly smooth sailing for Alexei. He spent the first 17 days of recovery receiving nutrient enemas because any food that he ate would literally spill out of the hole in his body and fall onto the floor. This is on top of undergoing various surgeries to remove the lead shot, stitch his lacerations, and have his burns tended to. However, by the end of the first month, Alexei's stomach began to heal and he was able to digest properly again. Asterisks there. <clears throat> so, under the supervision of Dr. Beaumont, Alexi spent the next year getting treatment for his various injuries and illnesses caused by the gunshot. Though he was recovering fairly well for a guy who got half of his chest blasted off, there was one small catch to his rehabilitation. The hole in Alexi's stomach had fused with the hole in his skin and healed that way. <gasps> forming a gastric fistula. Alexis Saint-Martin was walking around with a freaking daylight access hole <gasps> into his goddamn stomach. So he's Goldie Hawn from uh, Death <coughs> Becomes Her? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. Which, which left Dr. Beaumont amazed and intrigued by the healed wound. Although he was healing up well, Alexi was dealt a little more misfortune. Because his recovery had taken so long, he had lost his job with the American Fur Company, and because he wasn't a citizen of Michigan, the county deemed him a common pauper, pauper <laughs> and was told that he must return to his home in Quebec, which was a cool 1,500-mile boat ride from northern Michigan. It's so long because you had to go all the way down the Great Lakes and back up. Oh, yeah, you, okay. Just not by you know way of the crow flies. Um, mm. Fairy really images of this? It's but- all sketch. Okay. Yeah. Did you find a sketch of it? I did. Okay. Fearing Alexi may not survive the trip back to Quebec and not wanting to miss out on the living anatomy lesson that was Alexi's mini stomach butthole, (laughs) 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 Dr. William Beaumont, in a roundabout way, adopted Sam Martone and had him living with him as a patient while the recovery continued. You see, the roundabout way Beaumont got Alexi to stay with him was by having the illiterate fur trader sign a contract stating he was to be Beaumont's servant and patient. Seems a little unethical, but... So did Beaumont know what he was signing? Uh, oh, Alexi? Like, yeah. Um, like, no. Okay, so no. it could have been anything. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I, 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 He might have told him, but... So, oh, yeah, this is just a job for him. Yeah, go ahead and sign right here, you know? So, so why sign here? I don't know. Yeah, what right. Is, what is, why sign no, it's here French and, Canadian, so it's like it's, so I sign here, and you give me all of the pancakes <laughs> I ever want. And he's like, "Yeah, man, wee oui, wee." Oui. Yeah, I can't do a French accent. Uh, by 1824, Alexi was back on his feet at almost full capacity. Well, minus the stomach hole. That, with a little compress plug and bandages, kept his gut fluids. You just put a cork in it. Hey, he had like a wad of. Stuff stuffed in there, like comp, like yeah, compress and Jesus. bandaging. Um, kept his gut fluids and previous meals from sloshing out. At this point, he had gone from being Beaumont's patient to his employee, and passed the time by doing common 1800s house chores like chopping wood, mowing fields, and hauling dry goods. You know the real dishpan hands type oh, work. <laughs> but 
But simple house chores weren't all the good doctor had in store for Mr. Martone. The spring of 1825 brought a change of scenery for Alexi as he and the doctor were relocated from Michigan to various army outposts in New York and Vermont. But the scenery wasn't the only thing that changed. Alexi's job title got a new addition to it as well. Guinea pig. Dr. Beaumont would conduct various experiments on Alexi's fistula. Most involved the dunking of various food items into the open hole and the extraction of stomach acid to examine its effects on items. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, he hired this dude on to like, hey, do my housework, and by the way, I'm going to stick random shit in your gut hole here. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> After a year of being a lab rat, Alexi grew tired of the science experiments and slipped away from the doctor. He returned to his hometown in Canada, where he got a new job back in the fur trades, and found time to meet a woman, get married, have a few kids, and attempt to enjoy his time away from the world of medical science. But Dr. Beaumont wasn't going to throw in the towel on his prized experiment just yet. Beaumont was able to track down San Martone and convince him to come back for more experiments and paid servant life. So, in 1829, Alexi, his wife, and two children made the 2,000-mile canoe trip to Wisconsin, where Beaumont was stationed. So the dunking of random shit into Alexi's gut hole and sloshing oh, it about could resume. <laughs> yeah. But, within a few short years, two more children and a homesick wife Alexi again grew tired of the experiments and in early 1831 left Beaumont again to return to Canada with his family. So the Canadian fur trapper, with now four children, an irate wife, and a friggin' open hole in his gut, paddled his canoe the 2,000 miles back to Quebec for another attempt at normal life. Yeah. Jesus. But normal life be damned was what William Beaumont probably had in mind when he tracked Alexi down in late 1832 and convinced Mr. Martone to join him yet again for more experiments. He's got to get away from this guy. Right? Why does he keep going back? <laughs> probably money, I think, was Jesus the, the bulk Christ, of it. Fucker. Uh, but this time around, Alexi got a little better deal. On top of his contract pay from Beaumont, he was also enlisted into the U.S. Army so he could accompany the doctor wherever he was stationed. Alexi's only task was to make himself available to the doctor when called upon. No military duty whatsoever. Like, he pretty much just got paid by the army. If he wanted to dip to just... some Tostitos or something sometime, he had to show up pretty <laughs> yeah. much. All of Alexi's food, lodging, and pay was covered by Uncle Sam this time around. It's not such a bad deal. So, yeah. But, again, by 1833, only one year later, Mr. Martone had had enough of the constant travel, public gut hole experiments, and being homesick, so he made a break for the Great White North yet again and left Beaumont behind for the last time. In doing this, he also technically became a deserter of the armed forces. But because the U.S. Army didn't really give a shit about him in the first place, they didn't track him down or arrest him. So, he was gone. Huh! Shortly after their departure, Dr. William Beaumont would go on to publish the findings of his 200-plus experiments on Alexi in the medical text known as Experiments and Observations on the Gastric Juice and the Physiology of Digestion, which would go on to be cutting-edge research and a massive leap in the understanding of human digestion in the 1800s. I think I've seen that on Audible. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, why would you be looking that know. up on Audible? <laughs> Beaumont later became the professor of surgery at the St. Louis University School of Medicine. For years, the doctor would write Alexi trying to convince him to return for further experiments, to which Alexi rejected, but would wish the doctor well. Beaumont later passed away due to an unexpected injury in 1853. Alexi saint would go on to live Very out... Very nice. You like uh, that? Yeah, you, you like did, that? Did you practice I that? had to listen to how it was pronounced. That's good. Yeah. That's good would go on to live out the remainder of his days on his farm in the backwoods of Quebec with his wife and children. He would often get hassled by medical professionals and charlatans looking to exploit him. On two occasions, he did get bamboozled into traveling for a few months to display his fistula, but would soon retreat to his farm in Canada. Remember when I showed you my fistula? You told me to leave. Yeah, that was very strange. <laughs> yeah, I just walked in, hey, check out this extra <laughs> hole I got. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. No. After that, he swore off dealing with any people looking to use him again. Good for him. Though Alexei struggled with alcohol and was bad with his money, he chose to live a simple, unwealthy life away from the prying eyes of medical scientists and journalists for a little bit of peace, all the while having an open hole in his stomach. Though at the time, I'm sure he didn't care for the experiments or people involved, but he really did help change the way doctors addressed digestion issues in the 1800s and beyond. Alexei ended up passing away in 1880 at the age Holy of 78. Holy shit. I was yeah. going to ask you how old he yep. ended up being. <clears throat> his, wow. fam- his family was noted as leaving his body in the elements long enough to decompose his flesh so scientists wouldn't be tempted to exhume him for dissection. That dude was one tough son of a bitch. Holy yeah. shit. So... Next time you find yourself complaining about a petty strain or an upset tum-tum, just be grateful that you're not rolling around day-to-day having to deal with lead shot stuck in your chest and an open hole in your stomach that allows your meals to spill out. All while a doctor with questionable ethics carts you around the country conducting strange experiments on you. The end. Wow. You never heard that story? I've never heard yeah. that. Yeah. Nope. I've never, ever heard that. Um, though, I mean, I guess... If if you if you were to cover my mortgage, I'd probably let you like scoop whatever's in my belly button out every now and then. <laughs> Why the but fuck would I do that? I'm just saying that yeah, guy. God, did. you probably got toenails and wolf hair. It's fucking in gross. <laughs> um, no, I've never heard that. That's I, yeah. I, and the, I, like, what blows me away is you know there, there's a ton of this that you gloss over because there's a whole oh, life yeah. he lived when he got away when the the final time he. He lived throughout Quebec and Vermont and areas, and one of the places he lived, he was known as, like, the firewood guy. He would just split, like, court, court after court of firewood. like With a hole in his stomach? Yeah, day after day. I can't do that with my whole stomach. <laughs> with your whole body intact, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was just a rugged dude. So. I know. It's, it's like, yeah, people, I, I am a firm believer that people were a lot fucking tougher. Oh, yeah, makes to you be. think of that guy. Uh, and I, I was going to write him down. I wrote notes down about how small my balls were, but I forgot to write down that guy's. Oh, the, the guy who got the, the re, was it a piece of rebar. They oh, that shot through his head. Uh, got yeah. stuck. Shoot through his head. Shoot, stuck in his head. Shot through but it from underneath his mouth. Yeah, I'm chin. pointing at my mouth. Can everybody see? <laughs> and it went through the top of his head. Yeah. And he lived for what, like 11 years afterwards? Yeah. And he was still. He could talk, but he was fucked up. He like, turned real mean. Yeah, he lost any, his brain. any reasoning or anything. I was going to do that mm-hmm. as a story. I remember but I you mentioned that. Everybody, that but... but I fear most people have probably heard of it. Yeah. I hadn't heard it. My sister told me about it a few years ago. I'd never heard of it before, but mm-hmm. um, that is fascinating. Yeah. It's really fucking gross. <clears throat> well, that's – and I think shit like this went on quite a bit in the past. Like when someone had an injury, you were essentially like a – science experience just so you're living well yeah people it. forget that yeah <clears throat> modern medicine started with some pretty fucking gnarly shit yeah, questionable experimentation on human beings how do you think they figured a lot of this like, people shit out hated doctors back in the oh, day oh you did not want, it, yeah this is well i did some of my story they had like around uh civil war like they they referred to the surgeons as butchers and mm-hmm. like i mean they had to keep <laughs> Fucking doctors were also grave robbers. I mean, they had to oh, go yeah. live, learn. They had to go dig bodies up. Yep. See how they work. Forget where stuff comes from. Well, that's fantastic. So good. I'm glad you liked it and didn't know that story. I never heard it. I'm going to see if you know. I, I'm going to guess that you've never heard this story. Uh, you didn't give me enough to guess on, so we'll see. I've never, okay. Let the saga begin. I'll start the stopwatch about... This is gonna go way too long. About fifty-eight minutes later, I'll probably. <laughs> the story I'm, ab- the story I'm about to tell you was supposed to be a page long, and then segue into the actual topic became the whole story. All right. So let's just see what happens. Let's do this. Because I haven't read this before. Bring it on. I did. Ca- I- All right. I'm calling this one the Stranger. That's it. Yeah. Not Stranger Danger. Or... No, you'll see why it's the Stranger. Okay. It's a, a euphemism. Mm, okay. It's like the hand job. Oh, when you sit on your hand, it's numb. Yes. Okay. Kind of. It'll make sense in a minute. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay. Why not start today's story with a hypothetical? Let's say that clumsy Corey across the table from me has a little accident. Let's say that he looks at me maybe a little longer than I feel like he should, and I overreact a bit. Let's say I pin his hand to the table with a pen and see how much he likes looking at me now. You wouldn't get that far. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now, hypothetically, there's a lot of hypotheticals in this introduction. This introduction is way too long. Now, hypothetically, Corey would probably be in a tremendous amount of pain and no doubt kind of be in a baby about it. Oh, yeah. I, on the other hand, would keep a cool head as I always do and rein in control of the situation. That's a lie. Uh, falling back on the extensive medical knowledge I garnered in my one year of middle school health class, I know that the only way to relieve the pain and discomfort in a patient is to remove whatever is causing the pain. Acting quickly, as I'm sure that I hypothetically would, I'd fill Corey with as many CBD gummies as I could to calm him down and maybe quiet his hysterics. That, <laughs> that done, I'd put down a towel and promptly amputate his hand at the wrist. I'd then, hypothetically, close the wound that Corey brought upon himself using the flap method and leave a small hole in the stitching for the inevitable stump drainage to leak from. The real method. Uh. We'll get into it. Um, having single-handedly steered us away from what could have been a very dire situation, I would remove myself from Corey's home and return to my own for afternoon tea and crispix. In the coming weeks, I begin to hypothetically and love... <laughs> I, I begin to hypothetically and lovingly refer to Corey as Stumpy. It makes him laugh, and he thanks me profusely for the opportunity to have earned such a nickname. However, despite having only the best of intentions, I may have hypothetically sentenced Corey to a life of mind-shattering and near-constant pain. He may hypothetically refer to his day today now as a quote-unquote waking nightmare. While some of the more slow-witted among you may be asking why, well, as most of our listeners have probably already guessed, Stumpy is now a victim of a condition that afflicts between 60 and 80% of amputees. We in the medical field call this condition PLP. We like you're a doctor? I went to health class. Oh, okay, sure. It's my story. All right. Uh, we, call this, we call this condition PLP, <laughs> or phantom limb pain. That's right. Corey now has a hypothetical ghost hand. All right. You're welcome. I'm going to choke the shit out of you with my ghost <laughs> hand. <laughs> All right, let's just take a breath and calm down. Corey still has both of his hands, whether he really deserves them or not. Uh, that, was, <sighs> that was just an example for mostly my own amusement, but the reality is that ever since human beings discovered that with the proper amount of force and determination, we can remove each other's arms and legs, phantom limb pain is often a terrifying result. Or death. That pretty common too when you lose yeah, a limb yeah um <laughs> infections and things like yeah, that yeah i mean there's more to it there's a that. lot to it yeah today plp is widely accepted as a very real affliction and although there are some promising new modern therapies that may relieve the symptoms the condition is still a poorly understood one one case of plp in particular is often credited as the catalyst for further research of the phenomenon and for modern american neurology in general and that is the shocking case of George Dedlow, first lieutenant of the 79th Indiana Volunteers during the American Civil War. Have you ever heard of him? I have not. Okay, good. There's a lot of work into this. It would have been disappointing. Oh, wait, is that the guy? Don't fucking start. <laughs> now, we, before we, as briefly as I can, dive into the story of George Dedlow, let's make sure we're all on the same page as far as how frightening a cursed PLP can be. It's probably safe to say that most of us could not possibly imagine the shock, pain, and trauma that would be the result of an injury ending in the loss of or amputation of a limb, hand, or digit. When I was still running a lot, I'd pretty, I'd pretty regularly lose toenails inside of my shoes. And, <laughs> and that was traumatic enough for me. Looking but, at your war crime of a feat is trauma. Did you notice I took my socks off? Uh, get him away. I clipped my toenails before I came over. Yeah. Anyway, um, but try and at least imagine this, okay? Try and conjure up in your mind the worst pain you've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. Now imagine that pain never going away. Now imagine that whatever part of you that is playing host to that pain is removed, but the pain and discomfort remains behind, yeah. which is fucking insane yeah. and kind of scary. Not only is there constant dis discomfort but you can't even trust your own mind. How is it that someone can feel something that isn't even there? Well, we'll get into that, but first, the terrifying case of George Dedlow. George Dedlow was the son of a physician in Abington, Indiana. He himself studied medicine under his father before his education was cut short by the high demand for Army surgeons during the Civil War. Though he started off his Army service as a surgeon, 
After his group of volunteers and another merged, they then found themselves with a surplus of surgeons, and George's skills as a partially trained physician were trumped by his having two working arms capable of firing a gun. Yep. He did everybody. Mm -hmm. This is how he ended up first lieutenant of the 79th Indiana Volunteers. The 79th was an infantry regiment, which saw George's aim shift from healing wounds to inflicting as many as he could himself. Shortly after occupying his new role in the war, the 79th was sent to help garrison a line of blockhouses. I don't know what a blockhouse is. Uh, you? No. Okay. I got an image in my head. I, I don't know what like a blockhouse is. it's like rows, like a row of houses. Okay. So they were sent to garrison a line of blockhouses on the Cumberland River south of Nashville. They were there for some time without much actual fighting, but even outside of combat, the day-to-day to these guys was, it's awful. A lack of basic medical supplies, food, and even water meant morale was plummeting and disease was running rampant. Eventually, the 79th was made aware of a train full of desperately needed supplies due to arrive at another post about 20 miles north of their position. Not being able to afford to send a whole group of men, it was decided to send one ranking officer. That officer was George Dedlow. And this is the point in the story where George's luck takes a hard left to shit garbage trash town. No. Yeah, it's a real place south that's of like Nashville. Your, that's your shed, huh? <laughs> oh. Is that your shed? When There's you're a lot of trash in there. Hi, welcome to shit garbage. <laughs> shit trash town. Okay. George was ordered to ride, uh, to ride under cover of darkness to blockhouse number three, prepare, and then venture onto the train from there. On his way to the bunkhouse, he became lost, and despite rebel guerrillas in the area and instructions not to be seen, he happened upon a cabin and tentatively knocked on the door to ask for directions. The old woman who answered seemed to be deaf, or at least maybe pretended to be, and was of no help. As George made for the gate to leave, he found it closed and himself surrounded by guerrillas. Guerrillas. Yeah, I yes, know. Rebel, not, not the animal gorillas. I, I rehearsed this well, the first half of it to Mandy, and I went through a bunch. I'm like, I hope she doesn't think I'm talking about gorillas. <laughs> it would have made it a little more interesting if the Civil War was against gorillas. They, they threw bananas with such vigor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> As he hastily mounted his horse, he heard the crack of a rifle and fell tearing at both of his arms. When George came to, he was lying on the floor of the cabin amongst piles of rubbish and his own blood. The gorillas were going through his belongings. Now I can't stop thinking about gorillas going through all <laughs> like this stuff. Like a pack Yes. I think that's the last time. Congo I gorillas. gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> the gorillas were going through his belongings and taking what they liked, and that sneaky old hag was just staring at him. He managed to speak clear enough to ask her for water, or and apparently she's not actually deaf. The old woman complied. <laughs> um, after he had spilled water from the gourd she offered, she then told George that the rebels would be taking him with them as a prisoner. George found that he could still move his left arm without overdue discomfort considering his injury. He could not, however, feel anything in his right arm below the shoulder. When he finally managed to get a hold of his right wrist with his left arm, the right wouldn't even register a hard pinch. From shoulder to fingers, his right arm felt only cold and dead. The rebels left for an hour or so, but upon their return, they none too gently loaded George into the bottom of a cart and set off. Before eventually arriving in a rebel hospital near Atlanta, George Dedlow endured an excessively bumpy ride in a horse-drawn cart after having just been shot in both arms. The bullet that struck George had entered and exited his left bicep, then continued on to shatter his right shoulder, rendering everything below that shoulder useless. Now back in the cabin, George may have lacked any sensation in that arm, but by the time he found himself jostling about on the floor of the cart, his arm had started to warm up, eventually feeling as though it was, as he put it, quote, I'm going to try and do an Indiana accent. Oh, okay. I don't know what it is, because I'm going to do a southern one later. That is south. Um, Indiana? Indiana's Midwest. Okay, so here we go. Maybe it's right. As he put it, quote, pinched in a red hot vice. <laughs> That's pretty much just my voice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, ready? <laughs> the ride to the hospital was excruciating and punctuated by his sharp cries of pain and his begging for water. The responses to both typically being a revolver held to his head. All right. Imagine a very long road <laughs> Imagine a very long road trip with a younger sibling constantly kicking the back of your seat. Except in this case, he shot you in both your arms and every time you ask him for a Capri Sun, he holds a pistol to your head. That was like that, a childhood pretty much road yes, trips. Yeah. Yes. I put a lot of Pokemon in the van, actually. <laughs> but 
After some time, George did arrive at the hospital in Atlanta and had a decent enough fortune of a good and caring doctor. Dr. Oliver Wilson cleaned and dressed George's wounds and, despite being on opposing sides of the war, treated him with kindness and respect. Another not-so-encouraging encounter at the hospital came when a local man, who may have been a preacher, nobody seemed to know, um, would come to visit the patients and write letters for them. One day, the man, <laughs> one day, the man asked George how he was feeling, to which George replied, As usual, all right, but this hand, which is dead except to pain. The preacher proved to have fuck-all for bedside manner and made George very aware of that fact with the terrifying response of, quote, Such and thus will the wicked be. Such will you be if you die in your sins. You will go where only pain can be felt. For all eternity, all of you will be as that hand, knowing pain only. What a motivator. No shit, uh, what, asshole. <laughs> what, a, what a great guy to help you bring I you know. out of the rut. So, <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm in incredible That's pain. Poor fucker. <laughs> uh, not only was this a very mean thing to say to poor George, it also ended up being a rather accurate prediction. Um, it was not long after the stimulating conversation that it was determined that George's red, shiny, pussy, swollen, and useless right arm wasn't long for the world. Before the amputation, George begged for morphine, with the doctor only responding, quote, I'm gonna, I was, you're going to give me one southern accent, and I'm going to save it for later. I'm not going not gonna to do it. So every character, even though they're from the Midwest and all over the country, they're not all southern then. So well, you, <laughs> I'll get... Okay, this one's just going to be my voice. Ready? Right. Quote, we have none. You know you do not allow it to pass the lines. As George rolled over on the table and his arm was stretched out and readied, he asked who would administer the ether. He was told that there wasn't any to give. The doctors then removed his arm with knives and a bone saw, George being fully aware for the entire procedure. No anesthesia, no nothing. Nothing Ugh. at all. Nope. Damn. After the remaining flaps of skin were sewn up around his shoulder, George, still awake, looked down at his detached arm lying on the floor and said out loud, quote, There is the pain, and here am I. How queer. The pain he'd lived with for weeks was finally gone, at least for now, and George slept. Eventually, George healed up and was part of a prisoner exchange in early August of 1863. He received what was then the customary 30-day-long furlough that he was owed, and afterward was sent back to his regiment and now promoted to captain. Remember, he's only got one arm One now. arm, a yep. one-arm captain, yep. huh? No less of a man, though technically there was now less of him, George returned to the fight. I don't know a whole lot about guns, but apparently in 1863 you only needed one barely functioning arm to shoot one. <laughs> suppose if you had one of the revolvers oh yeah okay yeah, they had cap and <laughs> ball revolvers so george goes on to do with practically half of one arm what i couldn't do with two good arms and leads men into the battle of chickamauga i'm pronouncing that right I oh you sure you nailed it sure <laughs> <laughs> on the 19th of september 1863 and if you thought that george's luck was going to turn around this time then you haven't been listening not only did George's luck make it to shit garbage fuck town, it's now <laughs> dopey shit. I think that I don't even think that's the same town. Uh, it's now unemployed, out of cigarettes, and holed up at the local YMCA. <laughs> uh, George and the 79th approached the enemy under a hail of bullets and round shot, and things didn't go well. The last images George can remember are flashes of blue uniforms, flying dirt, and the red and white of point blank explosions. When George Dedlow comes to, he's lying slightly propped up against a tree and is unable to move his legs. Oh, Jesus. The dead, dying, and wounded lie all around him, and what remains of the grass is caked in blood. Nearby, a makeshift surgery table has been hastily thrown together using a couple of empty barrels, and medics are doing their best to assess the condition of the men strewn about on the ground. It's at this point that a hospital steward approaches George, gives him some brandy and water, and cuts away the legs of his pants. George feels no pain in his legs, but the steward nevertheless tells him that the doctors won't do anything with them. He has been hit on both of his thighs. He observes his surroundings for a few moments and then is aware of the smell of chloroform as a rag soaked in the stuff is placed over his stunned mouth. After George regains consciousness... Not the it, stuff you kept in your locker in high school? That's chlorophyll. They take little shots of chlorophyll. Well, you sure? That was chloroform. What are you talking about? You know, the rag in the bottle. You're, oh, that I'd put over your <laughs> mouth and your then nap, take you nap home? Nap juice you had? Yeah, nap juice. <laughs> sleepy juice. It was my sleepy rag. All right. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, after, <laughs> after George regains consciousness, it takes a moment or two becomes he, before he becomes fully aware of who he is and where he is. Added clarity comes from a sharp and sudden cramp in his left leg. His one remaining arm isn't quite up to the task of reaching out and working out the knot, so George calls out weakly to an attendant for help. It is in this following exchange that George becomes fully aware of his new reality. Just rub my left calf, said I, if you please. This is, you ready? Mm-hmm. Calf, said he. You ain't got none, partner. It's took off. <laughs> I know better, said I. I have pain in both legs. Well, I never, he said. <laughs> you ain't got nary a leg. Apparently Yosemite Sam was helping That's him out. That's the best I could do. So if this was an assistant who was helping him, it was some ragtag southern this guy. Is, yeah. it, wasn't, it wouldn't be like an assistant, like maybe like a, a, a female medical assistant. Well, I guess I'm not really sure. I just assumed <laughs> that he sounded like that. Can you imagine waking up in a hospital and that's your attendant? Well, what are you doing here? What'd you do to your legs? <laughs> I don't know why I'm even here. Why? Okay. <laughs> so I guess I lost some of the drama from that, didn't I? Yeah. Um, I was pretty captivated up until that point. <laughs> okay. As I, This is still George talking. As I did not believe him, he threw off the covers and, to my horror, showed me that I had suffered amputation of both thighs very high up. Both legs. Sorry. So they didn't just cut his thighs out and give him his calves. <laughs> They sewed his knees back on at the waist and these short little legs. Sorry. Could be worse. <laughs> yeah, he did the surgery. Okay. That will do, said I faintly. George Dedlow, who started his life with the requisite four limbs, was now down to one. Remarkably, so after he, is one, he is one limb shy of being a chicken nugget. He's just a signpost right now. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, That's... Well, that's miserable. Just, just I'm yeah. you. By the time we're done, you're not gonna feel as guilty. About okay, laughing. that's I'll just say that. Okay, all right. Remarkably, after only one month, George had fully recovered and grown back both of his legs. <laughs> okay, well, he's a fucking salamander, apparently. <laughs> no, okay, he didn't actually grow anything back. But to everyone's surprise, he was in good enough shape to be moved to hospital number two in Nashville. His was one of, or was only one of ten thousand beds in Nashville alone. So yes, at this point, at this point, things are looking pretty grim for our pale George. How could anything get worse, right? Well, as the old saying we all know goes, as long as you've got at least one arm left, you could always lose it to gangrene. Uh, you ever heard that? No, I was gonna say when it rains it pours, or if it's cold out, put on a sweater. Hey, that's good advice. <laughs> After only three weeks in hospital number two, an outbreak of gangrene afflicted some 20 people in the hospital, including dear George. Himself and his fellow patients were put into open-air tents and treated with bromine. It was no use for George, though. His main artery opened and bled through his old wound in his left arm. The wound was tied again and again, but continued to bleed. With no other choice left, George's final limb, his barely functioning left arm, was amputated to save what life he had left. Wow. George survived the surgery and healed nicely yet again, but he was horrified by what he had become. After he recovered, he described himself as, quote, a useless torso, more like some strange larval creature than anything of human shape. After some time, George was moved off, I'm sorry, was moved to the aptly named Stump Hospital. (laughs) Shut up. Seriously. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. On South Street in Philadelphia, which serves as a reminder to us that 19th century Americans had a tendency to name locations with no regard for others' feelings. (laughs) George spent about three and a half months at the Stump Hospital and was made as comfortable as possible. The majority of other patients there had lost one arm or one leg, and George made it a point to speak with as many of them as he could. He was trying to learn, you know, about his... How to deal with this? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. In doing so, he quickly found out that the eerie phantom pain he was experiencing was not an isolated phenomenon. The majority of the other amputees suffered from the affliction, an itch on the palm of a hand that was there no longer. 
stabbing pain in a calf that no longer existed. A cramp in the thigh of a leg that had been blown clean off months before. Though I guess not really clean off. I wasn't yeah. even clean about nah, it. Nah, that wouldn't be a very clean... Uh... But you get the idea. Yeah. Sometimes it wasn't pain, but just the feeling that the limb or digit was still there. Other patients that George met would plainly tell him that they could feel themselves moving their thumb or their little fingers that they don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could close their hand into a fist, even though they no longer had a hand with which to do so. The especially unfair part about all of this, and it's all unfair, is that oftentimes when pain was not present, just the feeling of still like being like the limb still being attached that wasn't there, uh, eventually the illusion of still having that limb would go away. If you know, if you just if you just sensed having a limb there, mm-hmm. that would dissipate eventually. Uh, after some time, the amputee would no longer like sense the phantom limb. The only the only thing that continued was if you had pain. That stayed. the pain stayed, but not the sensation of, of just the limb, the limb sitting there. Yes, if you lost an arm, eventually you would. Uh, well, it's, it's, people are still losing arms. You would. Like, the sensation of being there would dissipate. Mm-hmm. But if you lost it and it, this phantom limb was in pain, yeah, like that would stay. So the pain's the, more likely to stay. And this was a lot of people who would lose these limbs in a painful manner, be it war, be it stab, shot. Oh, yeah. So they were in it's pain. It's not a friendly neighbor who's just, like, cutting yeah. his arm off. Yeah, so they were in pain before, when it yeah, before or when it happened, where some people will have a medical condition where the, the limb, where the limb just gets, like, surgically removed yep. and there wasn't anything major. But this is, they're, yeah, they're losing I the limb know. or, I mean, I, the, I you know, it's, it's a traumatic injury. Yeah. Um, so... After his time in Philadelphia, George was transferred to the United States Hospital for Injuries and Diseases of the Nervous System. Up until this point, our boy George has kept up a remarkably sunny attitude despite his unfathomable circumstances. Uh, But by the time he's found himself in the Army Hospital, he was, understandably so, a little down in the dumps. Not only... I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) Fucking miserable fucker. (laughs) Not only the near-constant phantom pain... Or the fact that he was essentially a human desk lamp, but without a bulb. <laughs> I'm so awful. Uh, Just picture him, Uncle Fester. Oh, you know what, yeah, I'm, you yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but he was now surrounded by dozens of other soldiers playing host to a litany of other horrifying conditions, including a man suffering from palsy of the rhomboids. This is fucked up. Um, the rhomboids... Uh, are muscles that are responsible for holding the shoulder blades in place. This particular patient was called, in another example of 19th century bluntness, quote, the angel. When the man's arms were prone, he looked just like you or I. However, when his arms were raised, his shoulder blades would stretch out from his back like a pair of grotesque angel's wings. I know. All of this, that is just the most... Surrounding yeah. image. I don't know why, but now, now you had to share it with us. Oh everyone. God, it grosses <laughs> me out. I gave Mandy a hug this morning. I was feeling her shoulder blades. Uh, just, uh, all right, <laughs> lose those blades. Yeah, uh, God. <laughs> uh, it's it's George's dour mood and willingness to try anything to improve his circumstances that will finally propel us to the story's conclusion. Mm-hmm. After befriending another patient who had been shot in the in the shoulder, and was undergoing treatment with a. a <laughs> quote uh lightning battery i don't know what that is i'm assuming they were just shocking the fucker with something maybe but uh let's see george uh he learned of a group that the man refers to as the new church the new church was a local gathering of spiritualists george dedlow was a practical man and a skeptic and almost dismissed the man outright but his desperation for any sort of comfort or meaning saw him eventually joining his new friend at the, quote, new church for a seance. Oh, this was, yeah, this, this is was late 1800s. This is, a, yeah, this is 1860, yeah. this is, this is 1866 at this right point. when it's kicking and, off. Oh, yeah, yeah, the whole spiritualist movement, yep. bunch of zany fuckers. Um, George was deposited onto an easy chair and watched, fascinated, but still unbelieving, as the members of the circle, through a medium, communed with dead relatives it wasn't until george was made the focus of the circle that any doubt any of the guests may have had completely evaporated through the medium 
The veil was pushed aside, and George was reunited not with a long-dead family member or comrade-in-arms from the war, but with his sorely missed legs. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Got his legs, started walking around doing a dance, huh? To the wonderment of all present, George stood up on his shaky ghost legs and slowly staggered around the room. He was unsteady, but came to the conclusion that that was on account of his amputated legs having been stored in an alcohol solution for so long. (laughs) Unfortunately for George, this walk around the part of the room surrounded by spiritualists would be the highlight of the rest of his life. After a few moments, he felt his legs begin to be pulled back to the realm of the dead, and slowly he sank to the floor as his phantom legs disappeared. He was left helpless again dependent on his friend to bring what remained of him back to the hospital. After the war, George ended up back out west, as comfortable as he could be, but still plagued with the pain in his limbs that no longer existed, his stroll at the seance being the last taste of independence he'd have for the rest of his life. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> that would fucking totally suck. You know what would suck even more? Hmm. All right. It's kind of like a horror story, right? All right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe that's a little hard to believe at the end there. Mm -hmm. It's because George Dadlow wasn't a real person. Wait, what? He wasn't a real person. Okay. So, and I don't... Oh, here we (laughs) go. This is the twist. Oh, Mr. Mr. M. Night Christopher (laughs) over here. (laughs) (laughs) I told Andy, I said, Corey's going to be really upset at the end when I tell him George Dadlow isn't real. So the reason I did this story anyway yeah. was because everything that happened in this was real, like happened to a real person. Okay. There were people who lost both arms. Well, both yeah, legs. yeah. The rhomboid thing, it's a real fucking thing. Yeah. All of it's real. This story mm-hmm. was written in 1866 and was published in The Atlantic, and it was called The Case, I think it was like The Mysterious Case of, oh, it was just The Case of George Dedlow. Okay. It was written by, hang on. Get the note. Get, get, get the, note the chicken out. scratch right. out. It's right underneath this note for my small balls. All right. <laughs> Silas Weir Mitchell, who was uh, went on to be called the father of modern American neurology, wrote this story in the Atlantic in 1866. Okay. It was like the Blair Witch Project of its time. Or, okay, maybe War of the Worlds, maybe that's a little closer analogy. Okay. Everyone thought it was real. Like they, he, and yeah. I read, I thought it was real as you read this whole thing to me. And this is a shitty version of a good story. If you, yeah. <laughs> if you want to, like, you can go to the Atlantic's website and there's the article still up and it's long. Yeah. And like, I, when I found this, I'm like, this is great. And then they're like, oh, fuck, I gotta read this whole thing. But it's so good. I read it three times. Wow. Like, it's so obviously I left a if, ton out. All right. If the guy's not real, why did he write this to just to so, bring. To bring awareness to this, because we're, I mean, even in 1866, Americans can't just, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> can't accept the reality of yes, what's in front of you. Yes, it has to be put forward. I mean, we got to put fucking ghosts in it, and he's fucking walking around <laughs> on phantom legs. Um, It had to be extreme for people to to, to oh, notice. Because getting your legs and arms blown off isn't extreme enough? or No. <laughs> Well, people were so <clears throat> numb to this stuff at this point because this oh, the is war, shortly yeah. after this is a year after the end of the Civil War. Yeah. Um and like okay, for example, there were four hundred four hundred and seventy six thousand soldiers were wounded during the Civil War. Yeah. I figure mil. let's see, uh like battlefield surgeries, there were close to sixty thousand. They figure at a minimum, 30,000-some limbs were cut off of people. Damn. Like, I spent a whole morning reading about the amputated limb um, disposal. They bury them in mass graves. That's how many there were. Over a pile of chicken wings. What? <laughs> the amputated chicken arms. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Will you be serious for a minute? Oh, sure. <laughs> Mr. I'm going to tell you a fake story. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... People were so duped by the case of George Dedlow that yeah. they sent donations. Like, oh, yeah, they put Looking foundations for the, yeah. together for him. People would go to hospitals that he talked about in Philadelphia and on the East Coast and the West Coast trying to find him. Like, there were hospitals that had people coming in asking to see George Dedlow, mm-hmm. either to help him or just 
kind of like a like a freak show kind of thing to look yeah. at this poor stump of a man. Um, but yeah, it's it. That is a very interesting story. Yes. Yeah. I figured you'd enjoy that. It was, yes. And I, I can see how, at that time, it was a very huge issue with a lot of wounded veterans. So that's what time. it took, was, yeah, this guy uh, right kind of duped everybody, but <laughs> it, got like, a, it got a lot of funding. Like, I just duped you. You duped me, yep. You're out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But like yeah. even today, like they they actually did. Uh, there's some pretty cool therapy. Like mirror therapy is a mm-hmm. thing. Um, so you're like, oh, is that where you have your hand and a fake hand? So, <laughs> have you seen that one with the hammer and they hit it? I don't know what the hell. The oh, name of it is. well, there was something on National Geographic, like where you put your hand underneath like a towel or something, or you yeah. put a towel out, put the hand on the table and hit it, and you'll feel it in your hand. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mirror therapy, um, like let's say I cut your leg off, which mm-hmm. I might do. Uh, and you, <laughs> no, you, you will not. You, you, you are had, not chopping my leg off for this episode. You had phantom pain. Well, you really got to commit, man. <laughs> so what you do is like take a long mirror then and put it next to your leg, mm-hmm. and you look at that image. It's like having a uh, leg. And if like they've found that if people do this for like twenty to twenty, amputees do this for twenty to twenty-five minutes a day, eventually it actually does make phantom limb pain disappear. Really? Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, pretty. I actually, uh, I actually tried it, and uh, <laughs> and you grew an extra arm. You grew an extra no, leg. I now have a third leg. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was the hand mirror, so it's <laughs> not. It's so like, you have an extra arm coming out of your ass. Yeah. Is what you're telling me. <laughs> I was trying to make a dick choke. Nope, nope. That, <laughs> that arm is work. that arm's coming right out of your ass. I don't care what direction you're going to that joke. Uh, uh, oh shit! But yeah, so that's uh, that's phantom limb pain. That's pretty wild. That's uh, I, I didn't realize that there was a whole fake story to it, but it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, those I, things. If you read this story, mm-hmm. if you didn't, if if somebody didn't tell me, like, yeah, that's fake, I would have hundred percent thought it was real. Yeah. It, it did end up doing a lot of good for people who, you know, did lose. So something positive oh, came out of it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That is very nice. Uh, so is it, is that, that's the full story? That's what's what you got? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I was just checking my notes. <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks to write. Let me check the notes and add a little something, a little cherry on top here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, that's so, it. So, well, I, needless to say, the uh, the whole aches and pains thing. I mean, that's the, the reality of it. You know damn well there's people getting their arms and legs cut off with no treatment, like no anesthesia, yep. no nothing. Yeah, God. you. Yeah, like what, I'm, I'm gonna imagine that like you know, maybe walking away from this, like, oh, it was a fucking fake story. It's like, yeah, well, the story, happens, but the like those this, things the, happen. The guy who wrote this saw that stuff mm-hmm. every day. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, reading some of the descriptions of like the surgeries they would do, like yeah. they would try to get a limb off in under three minutes. That Oof. was the goal because there was somebody waiting in line. I mean, yeah, more injuries stacked up. Did yet, you ever see Ballad of Buster Scruggs? No, you didn't. I don't because they don't think so. It's it's like a Wild West short stories. Oh, oh, the Coen Brothers thing. Yes. Yes, I saw that. Remember the the section with, uh, who was it, Liam Neeson? His. Oh, his. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. The guy from Queen's Gambit was the stump. Yep. Yes. That's right. (laughs) You didn't remember that? Right? Any of that? No, I forgot all about that. As soon as you said that when he lost, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just like in uh, Buster Scruggs. No, I mean, other than what I told you, what I learned from this is that I don't actually know what the sex act of stumping is. I thought it was something else entirely. (laughs) I'm not going to talk about it, (sighs) but if anybody wants to look it up, just get on Urban Dictionary and find it out. (laughs) Oh, here we go. You couldn't stay away from public (laughs) I know. Couldn't stay away from the public. Look up stumping. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. Don't fucking do it. Don't do it. Uh, or I can tell you about it in my stroke voice. <laughs> <laughs> Your fake stroke voice. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, so that was fun. That in was a very fun. Yep, I miserable think we, uh, sort of way. Hopefully that puts some things into perspective. So next time you're a little uh, a little sore and your life is pain, which I will say I was, I was going to touch on this at the beginning, was when it gets into injuries, there is some people still 
who will be totally fucked up and not even they're just like whatever don't even care yeah they take it well yeah and they'll go their whole life like hunched over hobbled over like oh whatever i'm very impressed by them yeah yeah there's not many of them around anymore but i'm not one of them either am i (laughs) (laughs) nope nope i'm a little achy right now i actually got a cramp in my ring finger on my right hand (laughs) from trying to finish the story today I have I have phantom butt pain right now. <laughs> I had to fucking sit around for eight hours yesterday. Uh, oh, to sat- buy a car. Yeah, yeah. yeah I not yeah. Poor yeah. guy. Yeah, I go sit in a car dealership all fucking day. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, that puts some stuff into perspective and stop fucking whining about your aches and pains. Cause, yeah, uh, we all have them. Yep, you could lose <laughs> both your arms. Yeah, you could and be both a, your legs. You could be a human chicken nugget with a head. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus I don't mean any to upset anyone who happens to be an amputee. Yeah, if we're actually if there's if, one oh person, God. yeah, one person who happens to be an amputee, sorry. Or if there's one listener out there who's got palsy of the rhomboids, yeah. keep your fucking arms down. <laughs> quit, quit haunting Christopher's. Oh face. God, it's just oh, it's fucking gross. Jesus. Oh shit. Well, I think that's about it. Yeah. We got another episode of Stop Serve coming up in a couple weeks. A couple weeks, going to do that. And then uh, I got a couple ideas I run by. I for, also have a couple we'll, ideas. We'll, we'll talk about it off off air, off Yeah, let's recording. try and wrap this up. Can we? No, I kind of like dragging it out and pissing you hey, off in I the got, process. Uh, <laughs> all right. As Corey always says, if it's, if cold, it's cold out, put a sweater on. <laughs> that's good advice. You need to start another podcast, and it's just going to be, like, oh, here we go Corey's least dangerous advice to give. <laughs> like, advice to give somebody, and it's not going to backfire. Yep, it's yeah. a stupid title. Here's a good one. Yeah, don't start a podcast with a shit goose asshole across from you. I came up with a podcast. You want to hear it? <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. It's called Me and My Idiot Neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you talk about our neighbor across that, the street? No, like? God. Frank. Oh, poor guy. Uh, what did he ever do to you? No. So it's called Me and My Idiot Neighbor. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be you and me. Uh-huh. And we're going to do a podcast on neighborly feuds in history. We could probably do an episode. That's actually not I was yeah. about to as a joke. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, and as the, soon and as it, the words came out. yeah. That's and a... nobody knows who the idiot is because it's always different. Like if I say Me and My Idiot Neighbor, mm-hmm. you're the idiot. But if you say Me and My Idiot Neighbor... I'm the idiot. Mm-hmm. So just be a run-on episode of, uh, <laughs> was it The Burbs? Who's on first? The Birds. The Burbs. The Burbs. Oh, the Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. It was a great movie. That was great. I think I've mentioned this before, that I'm forever scarred from that, <laughs> because I rented that when I was a kid from Poppy's, which is a video store that doesn't exist anymore. Nope. And we didn't get to rent for it. I, pro- I might have talked to this in another episode. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. And I got home, and- we didn't get to rent many movies, and somebody had taken all the tape out of the reel. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know how disappointing that was? Yeah, that would, yeah. back then, that sucked. It's fucking heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about tough. Yeah, that's a serious first world problem. All right. So all we'll right. see everybody in we're a couple We're at the weeks. end of this. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you want more of us for some reason, we're on Instagram, at uh, TSPodcastOfficial. And that concludes Aches and Pains. And Covered all of it. That's it. So another flawless episode. Yep. No. <laughs> Went off without a hitch or without an arm. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys on the next one. Goodbye. Bye for now. Bye.